You're listening to the Trace Church Rock Rimmon podcast. Well, what's up, Trace Church? I uh, hope you guys are doing well. I uh, just want to take a moment and say welcome to all of you that are joining us for the very first time. We're always excited to have new people uh, with us. Uh, we know it can be weird coming to a place like this, coming to church, especially if you've had bad experiences with church in the past. Um, but we want to let you know that we're glad you decided to take the risk to be here today. And so thank you for coming. Thank you for joining us. Also, just want to say welcome to all of you that are joining us online today, whether you're watching us live right now or you're going to watch us later in the week. We're so excited to have you as a part of the conversation. Uh, My name is Josiah, and I have the opportunity to be one of the pastors here at Trace. Specifically, I get to work with students, and specifically, I get to work with a lot of the families that are here. And as a church, we want to remove every obstacle to get people to Jesus. And when we say that, we mean everyone, Uh, whether that's in here with you all, whether that's with students throughout the week or with kids in the other room, we want to remove obstacles for everyone to get to Jesus. And we need you to know that our families are important to us uh, because the next generation is important to us, Uh, that we don't just want to see your kids or your students grow up to know things um, about Jesus. We want to see kids and students that are passionate about pursuing Jesus and passionate about finding others to follow Jesus as well, that we know we're not always going to be the ones that get to stand up here and lead the conversation when it comes to our faith. And so we want to start now so that your kids can be intentional then. Uh, We need you to know that your family matters uh, to us. And that's why today we're going to take a break from the series that we've been in uh, to talk to our families specifically. And we want to take some time to invest intentionally into the parents here at Trace uh, so that you can better invest in your kids. And before I go any further, like I get it. Not all of you have kids. Uh, Not all of you are married. Some of you may have even been uh, to different churches where they focus so much on the other couple, so much on married people that they neglected you. And if that's you today, I need you to hear me very clearly. I'm sorry, because that's not how it's supposed to be. But whether you're a parent or not, we want to invite you to invest in the next generation here at Trace. Uh, That some of the best relationships I actually had growing up were with adults other than my parents uh, that, that were not married and did not have kids. That they were the ones who were able to invest in me the most and are a large part of why I get to stand up here today. And so if that is you this morning, if you're not married and you don't have kids, uh, I need you to hear me. We see you, uh, we love you, and we're glad to have you with us today. However, each year, parents are getting less and less intentional when it comes to talking to their kids about Jesus. And there's numerous factors that play into this, whether it's the fact that schedules are getting busier, parents seem to be more tired than ever, the culture is becoming more postmodern, more anti-church, but also churches have just done a really bad job at giving parents a very clear and practical plan when it comes to raising their kids to know Jesus. And year after year, parents are ranked as the number one influence in their kids' lives, yet only 10% of churches, only 10% of churches actually resource parents to talk talk with their kids about their faith. So I want to show you this number again, 936. 936, that's the number of weeks a child has from the time they're born to the time they turn 18. Now, at first glance, 936 seems like a lot of time. But you start to factor in sports programs, school calendars, even your own busy work schedules, and very quickly, that number goes down. 
Also, if your child is a middle child, you can just go ahead and cut that number in half because most of your time, thank you, most of your time is going to go to the oldest or the younger kid anyway, right? I'm just kidding. I'm a middle child. Got to look out for my own, okay? So, uh, but we get this. 936 is not a lot of time. You can ask any parent uh, that has kids that are in college and they will tell you that 936 weeks goes by much faster than you think. That one day you're changing her diaper and the next it seems you're cleaning your gun in front of the boy that she brought home. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But with all of these changes, with all the things going on, with all the outside influences, it can be extremely hard to be intentional with your kids as parents. Guys, that's why we came up with the core four. And we don't want to be a part of the 90% of churches that do not help your family win. Uh, We know you're busy. We know life is crazy. We know parenting is really hard. And we don't want to add something to your plate that will take you away from your children. And we know you can't do everything, but we want to help you do something. Uh, Specifically, we want to help you do these four things. And we believe that if you can be intentional as a parent to implement these four things as rhythms, your family will not only experience growing relationships, but you'll also get to experience things that maybe you haven't experienced in your family in a while. Things like stability in your marriage. Things like laughter around the dinner table. Things like honest conversations and a foundation for your family to continue to grow. Now, the core four is not just some quick fix as seen on TV type of initiative. It's going to take work. It's going to take commitment. It's going to take the intentionality on your part. However, if you can figure it out, I promise that it's worth it. I promise that it's worth it. So what is the core four? The core four is very simply made up of four rhythms that we think will help your family win. Uh, These four rhythms are eat, pray, encourage, play. Eat, pray, encourage, and play. And hopefully you see those and you think, yeah, that's something that I can do that this list is not something that is beyond your reach, that if you really tried, these four things could be something that defines your family for years to come. That once again, we know you can't do everything, but we want to help you do something, that maybe you could do these four things right here. And before I go any further, the last thing that I would want to do this morning is stand up here and tell you all as parents how to best parent your kids. I'm only 24, I'm not a parent, and I've only been married for a couple of years now. And to stand up here and act like I figured this thing out at my age would be extremely arrogant of me and very ignorant of me as well. So I'm not going to do that today. However, I have worked with kids and students for the majority of my life now, and I have learned some things, and I'd I'd love to just share some of those things with you today. That all I want to do is look at these four rhythms in our lives and and simply share with you how they can be important in your family, but also how they can help your family win. And so to start with the first one, the first one right here is eat. Eat. And I know what you're thinking. Is he telling us that we should eat more? And after this weekend, I'm not telling you that. Like, we've got this down, right? I grew up uh, with four boys in my family. Like, we ate plenty. No, it's not so much about eating more as much as it is about eating together more. That throughout Scripture, we see the importance of sharing a meal together all throughout the Bible. That in the Old Covenant, celebrations, they were characterized not by the celebrations themselves, not by the parties, but by the meals. The the pinnacle of the event was at the end of the day when all of the families would come together and they would sit around a table and they would simply share a meal together. And this was a time to forget what was going on around them, the craziness of life, and simply build relationships with their families. 
But not only that, throughout the new covenant as well, we see Jesus model the importance of sharing meals together. Whether it's in Luke 7, where Jesus uh, talks about the fact that everyone should be invited to the table. Or in Luke 10, where he scolds Martha and he says, you've been so concerned with all the tasks, all the jobs that you needed to get done, that you neglected to sit down and share a meal with your guests. Or in Luke 22, the last thing Jesus wants to do before he's arrested and eventually killed is he just simply wants to take some time with his best friends and share a meal together. And when you look at scripture, you cannot help but notice that meals are important. But eating together was not just about the consumption of food. It was a social event. It was about conversations and relationships. It was a constant that no matter how hard things got or how crazy life was, at the end of the day, these families would come together and sit around a table and just eat together. And this gave them an opportunity to talk about their lives, to invest in each other, to laugh, to share stories and build relationships with each other. Eating together was important to them and it should be important to us. Not only is eating together a good way to build relationships with your kids, but studies actually show that it can have a a tremendous effect on your children's decision-making skills and their mental health as well. At Columbia University has done several studies on the positive impact of families eating together around a table, and here's what they found. And when families eat together at least three nights a week, the kids that are a part of those families are 2.5 times less likely to get involved uh, with substance abuse later in life, including drugs and alcohol. Whereas families that ate less than three nights a week were twice as likely to describe their families, family relationships as tense or strained. That these children that ate with their families were more likely to be emotionally strong well-mannered, and have better communication skills than the kids that did not. And though your children will never say it, this is actually one of their favorite parts of their day. That 71%, not of kids, 71% of teenagers said that they considered talking, catching up, and spending time with family as the best part of family dinners. Listen, we have to stop using our dining tables as decorations and standing junk drawers. It is time to set the table and start eating meals together as a family again. And I get it. Like, takeout is much easier. You know, it's much easier to order food online. Schedules are busy. But when it comes to your family, when it comes to your family, there is no replacement for this rhythm in your life. Listen, we want to challenge you as a church to eat together as a family four out of the seven nights of the week, to sit at the table and share a meal, to share stories with each other, to ask good questions, to eat better food, to listen to dad jokes, whatever it is you do at dinner. Do it together and do it around the table. Listen, we know you can't do everything, but would you consider eating together as a family? That's the first one is eat. The second one is this one right here, pray, pray. Now prayer, that sounds like something a pastor would tell me to do, right? That sounds like an answer to most of the questions that we ask people that stand up here. Like you could probably ask a pastor, where's the bathroom at? And they would probably respond by, you should probably just pray about it. And, you know, but don't pray too long, if you know what I mean. But prayer, prayer is mentioned so often because it's fundamental to our faith, right? But it's not just fundamental to our faith, it's fundamental to our relationships as well. What do I mean by that? Let me explain it like this. For most of us, we grew up thinking relationships look something like this. And over here, you have person A. Over there, you have person B. 
And when you try to form a relationship, you simply move along the line and move towards the other person, and that's how you build a relationship. And so we buy each other nice things. We say nice things about each other. We spend quality time with that person, all in the hopes that it will move us along this line and move us closer to the other person. The problem with this is this is not how relationships were designed to be at all. And when God created the earth and he made Adam and Eve, he actually designed relationships to look more like this. You have person A here and person B there, and as they move closer to God, they inevitably move closer to each other. That prayer is a perfect opportunity for us to grow our relationships. That prayer is essential for relationships. That prayer points us towards a common purpose. And that's why we're asked and called to pray so often, like in Colossians 4.2, that says this, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. That prayer does not just strengthen our faith. Prayer strengthens our families. And we all know the marriage statistics that are out there right now. And these aren't just statistics. These aren't just numbers. These are real people with names and stories. But 50% of first marriages will end in divorce. And 78% of second marriages will end in divorce. But listen to this. Less than 1%, less than 1% of couples that pray together on a daily basis will end their marriage in divorce. Guys, that is crazy. Less than 1%. And while this stat applies to marriage, I cannot help but think that this would have huge ramifications if parents took the time to pray with their kids daily. See, when parents take the time to pray with their kids, it's an opportunity for their kids to relate to God in a very tangible way. It's also an opportunity for them to remove some of the selfishness that they have and focus on others. So if you're looking for a silver bullet when it comes to your family, guys, this is it. That as cheesy as it sounds, families that pray together Stay together. And right now, me talking about praying with your family may cause you a little bit of anxiety because maybe you weren't the family that grew up praying together. Maybe uh, you're terrified to pray out loud. Maybe for you, you never really learned how to pray in the first place. And guys, if that's you, I need you to hear me like, it's okay. It's okay. That the best advice I can give you about prayer is this, just don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Prayer is very simply just a conversation with God where you get to tell him about your day. You get to thank him for the things that he's given you. You get to share with him where you're struggling, but then you get to ask him for help. So what would this look like in your family? Maybe for you, it's praying with your kids before you drop them off at school every day. Or maybe for you, it's taking the time to stop before you eat and simply pray to thank God for your meals. Or maybe for you, it's before you put your kids to bed every night, you take the time to simply pray with your family. And so we know you can't do everything, but would you consider praying with your family? So first we have eat, then we have pray. Next is encourage. Encourage. You know, that sounds like something we should probably do. Of course, you're supposed to encourage your kids. Like we see this all throughout scripture. In Proverbs 27, 17, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Or in Ephesians, it says, Uh, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. This is one that my mom had to remind me of often. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Or again, in 1 Thessalonians, it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing, that over and over and over we are encouraged to encourage each other. And guys, that includes your kids. And once again, they may never admit it, but they are desperate for your encouragement. And I get it. 
Like sometimes your kids don't act like they need to be encouraged. Sometimes your kids don't deserve to be encouraged. And sometimes as parents, it can be extremely hard to find the words to say and the time to encourage your kids. I know this mom that told me once that it's so hard for her to think of anything good to say about her son. They've fought so much, and she's constantly having to get on to him about this or that, and it started to wear on her. And it's hard for her to picture her son in a good light. So I went to her son, and I asked her son, you know, when was the last time, not when was the last time, how often do your parents encourage you? And he sat there for a moment, and he thought about it. And when he finally responded, he didn't respond by saying, you know, my parents encourage me sometimes, or my parents don't encourage me very often. See, he gave me dates. He told me the day that they encouraged him. He told me what he did and what they said. You see, he was keeping track. And he was desperate for his parents' encouragement. And he said, the only reason I act up is because that seems like the only time that they will notice me. Listen, whether you're a parent in here or not, the next generation, they need to be encouraged for us to take the time and stop and see some things in these people's life that God has put there. And I'm not talking about $1 compliments that you make up on the spot. I'm talking about premeditated, real-time encouragement. Like when they try something new, you acknowledge it. When they use a gift that God has given them, you show them that you noticed. When they take a step forward, you praise them. When they fail miserably, you help them get back up. We have to take the time to encourage them. We have to take the time to build up the next generation. And one of the ways we like to do this around here is by using the four most important letters in the alphabet. Those letters are this, I-C-N-U. I-C-N-U. And we need to sit our kids down. We need to sit our students down and say, look, here are some things that I see in you. Maybe they're good at sports or music. Maybe they're good at taking care of the rest of their siblings. Maybe they're the first to jump up to help mom and dad when they need it. Whatever those things are, sit them down, call those things out, say, look, here are some things I see in you. Take the time to encourage your kids. See, when I was growing up, I got in trouble in school quite often. Um, And I would usually get in trouble for mouthing off to my teachers, or I would get in trouble for uh, making fun of somebody or usually using my words to be a distraction. That's what they used to call me, just how you're being a distraction. Clearly, I'm over that. Um, but I've always had an extremely clear, extremely clear focus on what it is that God wants me to do. Um, that whenever I stand and whenever I talk to people about Jesus, I'm, I know I'm doing exactly what God created me to do. And I'd love to tell you that the reason I have such clarity in my life is because I just read my Bible and pray more than everyone else, but that's not it. No, the reason I have such clarity on my purpose in life is this. Now, when I was growing up, I can remember over a dozen or so times where my parents would sit me down and they'd have a conversation that went something like this. Say, Josiah, we've seen the way you lead other people. And whether you realize it or not, but you've been gifted in this area. Josiah, sometimes you lead people towards good things, and we're proud of you. But other times you lead people towards things that aren't so good. Josiah, you've been gifted in this area, and with that gift comes a responsibility. Then they say something like this. Look, we don't care what you do when you grow up. You can choose any career that you'd like. You can choose to do whatever you want. But whatever you do, make sure you're leading people well. Make sure you're leading people towards something good. 
And guys, I can't tell you how much those simple conversations have meant to me over the years. And I don't tell you that story to pat myself on the back and brag about myself. I could care less about that. But I will brag on my parents for a second. Because my mom and my dad, they didn't do anything crazy. They simply sat me down and took a moment and said, hey, look, here is something that I see in you. Listen, parents, you have that same opportunity. Listen, I know you can't do everything, but would you consider taking the time every week to encourage your kids like this? Because they're desperate for it. And so we have eat, we have pray, we have encourage. And the last one is play. It's play. I want you to take a moment and think back to one of your favorite childhood memories. You know, what were you wearing? What was everybody else wearing? Who was there? What were you doing? What were the smells like? Maybe when I ask those questions, it may be hard for you to remember some of those things. But if I were to ask you the question, how did you feel in that moment? I guarantee you would give me a very clear answer. And maybe you were extremely happy. Maybe you were full of joy. Maybe you were excited. Maybe you were even a little bit nervous. But however you were feeling, my point is this right here, that kids will not always remember what you do, but they will remember how you made them feel. That kids will not always remember what you do, but they will remember how you made them feel. And I see this in families over and over and over again. Parents that are so concerned, so consumed with doing things for their kids, that they forget to spend time with their kids. And guys, that is what play is all about. It's not always about building Legos on the floor, although sometimes it is. It's about taking the time to do nothing other than spending time with your children. And listen, I get it. Like some of you guys grew up with very little. Some of you grew up with almost nothing. And you've worked extremely hard to make sure your family does not have to experience the things that you did. And you've worked so hard, and every single day you feel like you're working harder and harder, yet no matter how hard you try, your family doesn't seem to get it. They don't really appreciate what it is that you've done for them. Can I tell you a hard truth this morning? And this one may sting a little bit. But your kids don't need more of mom and dad's money. They need more of mom and dad's time. That time is the ultimate currency. You can't get more and there are no refunds. So how will you spend your time? Spend your time playing with your kids. And playing is not simply bringing them along for one of your hobbies or simply sitting in the same room as they play. Playing is taking the time to get on their level to see what their interests are, to do things with them. And so whether they're three years old and they're still in a frozen fairy tale land, like that's where you're at. But if they're 17 and they love to go hiking, do those things together. Find something that they love to do and simply play with them. And this may sound backwards, but we have to stop wasting our time and learn to play with our kids. You see, when I was a boy, there was a month or so when my dad was in a lot of pain. A lot of pain in his back, and so much so that he ended up having to have surgery on his back. And after his surgery, there was supposed to be this very long recovery, but after his surgery, uh, my brothers and I, my three brothers, we were upstairs playing together. And though my dad wasn't supposed to go up the stairs, he tried anyway, and he tried to walk, and he couldn't walk, and so instead he decided to crawl. And I remember this memory very vividly. And when my dad got to the top of the stairs, he was covered in sweat, and you could see his face was contorted with pain. 
But after he finally caught his breath, he looked at us and through pain in his voice and, you know, the sweat in his face, he, he just said this. He said, what are you boys playing with? Can I join you? Listen, my dad had every excuse to stay downstairs, every excuse to rest and relax, every excuse to not go up the stairs. But for my father, spending time with his boys was non-negotiable. That play was a priority in my family. So my question to you is, will it be a priority in yours? Will you take the time to play with your kids? Because at the end of the day, they may not remember what you did. but They will remember how you made them feel. And so listen, we know you can't do everything. But would you consider making play a priority in your family? Parents, guys, that title is a privilege. That title is an honor. But with that privilege comes a responsibility that, listen, everything I said today is not a quick fix. It'll take you being committed to your children and potentially letting go of some of the things that you've set up as priorities in your family's life. That the core four will not solve every problem in your family. I'm confident of that. But it will give you a good foundation to solve problems and raise your kids well. And so to help with this, we as a church, we've decided we want to invest in this. And so parents, as you guys walk out, you're going to receive a magnet. And on that magnet is this uh, logo right here that you guys, every time you see this, you can remember to take the time to intentionally invest in these rhythms with your family, that you eat together, that you take the time to pray together, that you encourage your children, that you play with them. And hopefully this, this magnet will help remind you of that. And so when you come here and you start to ask us questions like, why is my kid not being honest with me? Or why does my family feel so distant? Or do you have any resources that can help me raise my kid to know Jesus? Guys, this is where we're going to start. This is where we're going to send you. We're going to ask you questions like, well, how often are you eating at the dinner table together? We're going to ask you questions of like, when was the last time you decided to pray with your family? When was the last time you encouraged your kid? What does it look like for your family to play together? Listen, we know you can't do everything. But maybe you can do these four things because your family matters and we want to remove every obstacle that exists to get your children to Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. God, I am beyond grateful for the parents that we have here at Trace. That God, we want them to be intentional. We know that their families are important. We know that these kids are important and we just want to raise them up to know you. God, I pray that we would be intentional with these rhythms in our lives, that these would not just be something that is a good conversation to talk about, but God, that this would be something in our lives that is life-changing and can define our families for years to come. God, I pray that families here at Trace would take the time to eat together, that they would pray together, that children would be encouraged, and finally, that we would take the time to have some fun and play together, Lord. We're so grateful for Jesus, so grateful for his sacrifice on the cross. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So we're going to go ahead and transition into a time of response. And very simply, this is just an opportunity for you to respond to anything that was said today. Uh, that, guys, we mean it when we say we want to remove every obstacle to get people to Jesus. That we believe Jesus is the answer. That Jesus, he came down to this earth and he looked at all the mistakes that we've made all the mistakes we've made as parents, all the mistakes that we've made as children, all the mistakes that we've made as people. 
And he said, look, I'll take the punishment that they deserve. And he went to a cross and he died for us. And three days later, he rose from the grave to offer us new life. And guys, if that's something you wanna hear more about, if you'd like to have a conversation about that, I'll be in the back. I'd love to talk with you about that. However, there are some other ways to respond this morning as well. Maybe for some of you, you don't know Jesus. It's not something that you've committed to in your life. And maybe for you, you just simply need to sit in your chair and have a conversation with God. Maybe today can be the very first time that you've ever prayed to God and genuinely had an honest conversation with him. Or maybe for you, you do know Jesus and you do know what it is that he's done for us. And every week we as a church, we wanna take some time to remember what that is. And so all around the room, you're gonna find these four tables with some juice and a cracker. And that is an opportunity for us to remember exactly what it is that Jesus did for us on the cross. And so maybe you respond that way. Or maybe for you, uh, you've got some things in your life right now that are just too big for you to handle on your own. That you need somebody to come alongside you and pray for and with you in this season of your life. And so if that's you, if you download our app and fill out a prayer request form, we would love the opportunity to partner with you in prayer. To pray for and with you for whatever's going on in your life. But then finally, we as a church, we always want to be growing in generosity. And we never want to stay stagnant in the generosity and the things that God has given us. And so if you've come prepared to give this morning, there are buckets at the four stations around the room that you can drop those off. We're so excited uh, for that. And once again, if you are a guest, there's no obligation to give. So, so excited that you're here. But however you need to respond, I ask that you do. And so I'll pray and then you can go ahead and respond. God, once again, we're just grateful to be here. Grateful to be able to gather, grateful to be able to come together and talk about things that matter. Jesus, we don't want to leave the same people. We don't want to just come here week after week just for the sake of coming here to listen to someone talk. God, we want to be different. We need your help. And so God, whatever it is that we need, if we need clarity on how we need to respond, God, if we need the courage to take that step, If there's some fear in us, God, I pray you take that away. But however we need to respond this morning, God, I pray that you let us do that. Let this be a thin space between us and you right now. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.